0: back to the tasty morsels of critical care podcast and this week we'll be making a flyby at a part of o's manual chapter 100 looking at hemostatic failure and the understanding of the hemostatic system seems a little bit like the universe at times with our knowledge and even the gaps in our knowledge expanding away from us quicker than we can track and as a result this summary will be necessarily superficial brief and to be honest, likely inaccurate. The traditional understanding of hemostasis um, was centred on circulating coagulation factors. The modern understanding holds that coagulation takes place mostly on the surface of activated or damaged cells. However, it still holds true, I think, that the core of hemostasis involves vascular constriction, platelet plugging with fibrin clot formation to seal the deal. I was reared with the idea of two um, pathways towards clotting in the old-fashioned clotting cascade, the intrinsic and the extrinsic pathway. These appear to have been renamed in the interim with the intrinsic pathway, which is always on the left-hand side in the diagrams I can visualise from memory. Uh, And the intrinsic pathway has been renamed the contact activation pathway. And the extrinsic pathway, being on the right-hand side of the diagram, was now renamed the tissue factor pathway. It seems that most coagulation activation occurs via this latter tissue factor pathway, where the protein tissue factor is exposed... um, by tissue injury, beginning the process of hemostasis. Platelet plugging or primary hemostasis results with subsequent fibrin formation by the action of thrombin on fibrinogen to complete the process, and this is secondary hemostasis. Look, to say the process is now completed is to neglect the entire presence of the native anticoagulant processes, which, to be fair, we rarely measure uh, in clinical practice. So this um, native anticoagulant system consists of several types of inhibitory proteins, such as protein C and S, to give a couple of well-known examples. These act as a sort of brakes on the system to ensure everything is held in balance. We have various tests we can apply to the hemostatic system, but the more you look into this, the more you realise that you're not really measuring one thing, but the test really reflects the activity of potentially multiple factors, and an abnormal result um, cannot simply be used as a surrogate for any one given coagulation factor, but instead reflects a blended result of upset of multiple different factors. Platelet number is of course relatively easy to measure but it tells us very little about platelet function which can be affected things like von Willebrand factor um, issues or maybe the aspirin that they took three days ago. Platelet function, um, measuring that is a little bit of a holy grail that we've not quite nailed down yet as far as I can work out. Prostrombin time measures the extrinsic or the tissue factor pathway and is most obviously prolonged in people on vitamin K antagonists such as warfarin or it's usually expressed as the INR. And the critically ill it can also reflect vitamin K deficiency or deficiency of any number of factors in that pathway, say for example um, liver dysfunction. You can distinguish between vitamin K-dependent causes and, say, causes from factor deficiency from liver failure using something called an ECASTime. time. So this fascinating test involves adding snake venom from Echis carinatus multisquamatus, an Asian viper, um, to a sample of blood. And if the prolonged INR is vitamin K-dependent, it should then normalise. Whereas if the prolonged INR is factor due to factor deficiency, say from liver dysfunction, it will remain prolonged. The APTT, the activated partial thromboplastin time, is felt to reflect the intrinsic or contact activation pathway, and it is most commonly used for measuring heparin activity. Again, that's a whole post in itself. But if the APTT is raised in the absence of heparin, then it might reflect factor deficiencies. For example, one of the thromboth is In that scenario it should correct the normal when you do a mixing study so you add some normal plasma to the sample uh, and the APTT should correct with the addition of the missing factor. A long APTT in the absence of heparin may also reflect the presence of some kind of inhibitor with the commonest example here being the lupus anticoagulant. Of course, we have the viscoelastic assays, like TEG and Rotem, which are likely a more functional assay of global hemostasis than our traditional tests, but they remain fairly niche in their use in critical care, maybe as opposed to anaesthesia um, within Ireland so far, and they are all due their own post in due course. So for further reading here, I um, certainly would recommend O's Manual Chapter 100, and the Venkatesh book on data interpretation in critical care medicine is really a must read for people doing fellowship examinations in critical care medicine.